Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Howdy, folks. Um, I'm not going to say happy Monday because here it is not. Um, we will start with the pre-show, and I just, gee, I wonder where it's going to start. You don't know, Mike. No, no I think they're probably going to start with the, the announcement of the Hall of Famers, but we'll see. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to do the Baseball Hall of Fame um, because I did just write about it on Full Press, and so I, I just think it's interesting. I didn't bring up guys who I think are in the seventies that should make it. Like I, we all have guys that we think should make it, but um, my guys, the, the, my three that I thought that should make it for the guys that are sort of in the lead or close to the lead. And I, 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 I happen to like Jimmy Rollins. I don't like the Phillies obviously, but I have a lot of respect for him. I covered him and I thought, you know, he was a top shortstop. Beltre I think is going to get in. He was a compiler, but he's going to get in. Um, and, and Billy Wagner. Those are the guys I would put in. I can't put in Todd Helton. I explained why the statistics, especially when we didn't use didn't use the humidor at Coors Field, are just outrageous. His OPS is just outrageous at Coors Field compared to on the road. And um, oh, and, and Joe Maurer, like I understand he has the highest batting average of catchers of all time, but he's not even in the top fifteen for guys throwing runners out. Like. Yeah, Mauer, Mauer's getting Bob it. Bob Brenly is actually better than him. He only had 143 homers. So that's where I stand. I don't know where you guys stand, but I figured I'd pass it around. I know Kevin maybe even voted for it back in the day. I don't know. No, I ne never did vote on that baseball. But, uh -huh. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm a Beltre guy, and Wagner was a dominant, yeah. you know, reliever. I, I, I don't share your love of Rollins. Uh, uh, not that he was a good player because he was, but I just don't know that I – I would, and I, you know how I feel about, you can't um, penalize someone for things that are out of control, like where they play, yeah, you know, so, you know, he's got, he can only perform where he's at. And, right. you know, and, and, and so. they factored that in when Larry Walker was put in. So I think, I think Helton eventually. Walker, yeah. Walker did a lot though in Montreal though. He did. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he had a few good years in St. Louis afterwards. So, you know, I mean. I mean, I for, when I wrote for full press, I was going to update it, uh, you know, before the announcement was going to be made. Is it made today or tomorrow? Tomorrow night. That's why I ran the article quick. Yeah, I'm gonna. But I, I had, I had Maurer because his numbers as a catcher are almost without peer. Um, you know, an MVP, a batting title as a catcher. I mean, you know, yeah. he was fantastic. Um, I had Beltre. Now, you know, there are some suspicions with Beltre, but it's never been. Prove right. it. It's never been. Uh, it's not out there on any report. Although that doesn't seem to matter because David Ortiz made it, and David Ortiz is widely known as being a steroid cheat. But, uh, but you know, it's but but they still let him in because they love his personality. Uh, the one guy I had on my list was, and I don't, I know he won't get in because of the fact that he's a PED guy, but he admitted it and he, he fessed up to it was Andy Pettit. His numbers are hall of fame caliber, but probably he is not going to get in because he took, he took, uh, um, not perform, not, uh, 
not uh, steroids, but he took the the recovery. He at least that's what he said. HGH, thank you very much. And but but his numbers are are Hall of Fame caliber. But he's probably not going to make it. There are some guys, you know. Thankfully, anybody anybody who is implicated in steroids should never get it. A Rod, Sheffield. Uh, uh, Manny Ramirez, these guys, you know, their numbers are fantastic, but you don't know if they're for real or not. So that's why I will never, I would never, ever let them in. And then in football, hey, I'm happy for Kevin Allen and I'm sad for Mike. That's it. That's my Yeah, opinion. no, I, I really wanted to see Buffalo and Detroit get in. And I think that the nation wanted to see that. Mike made a good point about, I think people a little weary. I, I love watching Mahomes play. I just think Me too. as a playoff quarterback like he's just the best oh he's he's incredible it has nothing it it has nothing to do with his talent he's supremely talented but take it it from the buffalo perspective we're watching this game and every commercial is kelsey and mahomes and andy reed it's state farm and it's uh the mastercard commercial it's it's just beaten over the head, and then every time Kansas City does one good play, they shoot up to the press box, and it's Pat it's Patrick Mahomes' wife with Taylor Swift. It, it was just like beaten over the head, and you know, like I picked Kansas City to win. I didn't think the Bills were going to win because their defense was gashed by injuries all year, and then gashed even worse against uh, Pittsburgh, and that's why I thought they were going to lose. But when you're down. Th- three points with eight minutes to go and you hold the ball all that time and you know your best receiver drops a almost sure touchdown and you know your quarterback makes a throw uh to the end zone which had they scored the touchdown you know Mahomes would have taken them right down the field oh absolutely I mean we all know that or he would have tried yeah the, yeah. the, 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 the Buffalo it, didn't lose that game because they didn't stop Mahomes they lost right. that game because the receivers are hot garbage and they should be on the market right now trying to get them. The receivers cost that game. Drop balls, not looking at passes, even worse. It was it was deplorable how bad they were. Yeah. And the period dot the end. Like Mahomes doesn't play Allen. So you can't say Mahomes beat Allen. He beat the right. Buffalo defense. Yes. That's all he did. Yeah. He did enough to beat the Buffalo defense. It was riddled. Allen did not do enough, nor did the receivers. Yeah. Well, I won't yeah. say Allen didn't do enough. But the receivers didn't do enough to beat the KC defense. It was pretty bad. And I mean, I'm a guy who watched a lot of Seahawks this year. So right. I know I mean, bad. I, I mean, that, that you know, Russ is right that, that Allen fumbled in the fourth quarter, but luckily it got, it, uh, got recovered by his one of his offensive linemen. But in two playoff games, he played almost near perfect. And he had to based on what was on the other side of the ball. Now, the thing is, and, you know, the, and we could have all blamed McDermott. Look. That call by McDermott, that had that was a horrible call, and then you were lucky. You know, the Bills were lucky that that the ball was McCall Hardiman fumbled the ball in the end zone. If that didn't happen. That may have been the moment where I, McDermott lost them the game. I don't care what happens between now and the end of the season. The worst call of the year, not only for the Bills in the past, and they had a lot of bad calls, but the worst call of the year was the fake punt in his own zone at fourth and five and giving right. it to DeMar Hamlin who can't run the, that was the, that, that was, was the brutal. Russ. That was the football equivalent of Tampa Bay pulling Blake Snell when he had a no hitter going in yeah. the world series. It and was Pacheco got the next run, like 29 yards 
and then got him within the three. If that if that all would have happened and Casey would have scored, McDermott would be the guy getting blamed, I think. Oh my god, it was just terrible. Any anyway, let's let's start the show. Enough with football. Hello, hockey world. Today is Monday, January twenty second, twenty twenty four. I'm Pete Tessie sitting in with the heavy hitters here. I'm Russ Cohen. I wish the camera was a little more wide right, but this will do. <laughs> I'm Kevin Allen, and you know I haven't missed anything. I'm picking up right where I left off with Russ giving it to Russ with Russ giving it to Mike a little bit. So, and I'm Mike Agello. Read between the lines, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, let's start with the uh, the news of the day: um, the signing by the Edmonton Oilers of Corey Perry to a one-year deal, actually, you know, just to finish out the year at the league minimum, minimum seven hundred and seventy-five thousand uh, dollars. Perry had his contract terminated in Chicago uh, late late last year um, for. Well, we still don't know what the reasons for. Um, apparently, according to uh, Elliot Friedman, they had been pursuing Perry going in even before the before Chicago had signed him in the summer, but he couldn't turn down uh, you know a four million dollar contract with a two million dollar signing bonus to come in and sort of caretaker uh, Connor Bedard. But he gets the, the contract terminated. It still hasn't been determined. I guess they still have ninety days. To whether they can appeal that, uh, you know, through the PA, uh, so that may happen. But Pev, um, he start he's going to finish the year with the Oilers, and the Oilers, who are the hottest team in the NHL right now, much to my chagrin, uh, add a player who is a very effective bottom six forward at this point in his career. Yeah, and it's a good fit. I mean, I think they were looking for that kind of guy, and um, you know, you want a guy that's been around the block a little bit, that's had success in the postseason. He certainly qualifies in that regard, and. You know, he still plays a, a you know a gritty game, and uh, I'm assuming I don't know this for sure that they did their due diligence and investigated what went on with Chicago and determined that um, you know either it was a one-off situation uh, that uh, you know he wouldn't have that sort of situation again, um, or they just decided it wasn't uh, uh, big enough to be a concern for them. But either way, I mean, I think they feel like they've gotten a bargain and. I, I don't think uh, Chicago has any regrets about no. the way they handled it. They, no, I, they had to do what they had to do. Exactly. And, you know, the situation was different there. I think it involved, you know, some team personnel as well. And, and they needed to have some transparency this time because they didn't in the, in the past. I think that was important for Chicago. Yeah, yeah, too. And I really think they really didn't have any leeway because, you know, they hired someone who was right. in charge of making sure they did everything by the book. And, you know, I was told by someone who knows that uh, the, that person, I don't know whether it's a him or a her, uh, said right from the beginning, no, this has, has to be how it's handled. This is what you have to be said. I mean, they didn't even tell the coach or okay. the players, uh, you know, what was going on. And that's what they were told they had to do. So they did it. So Peter, the, 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 the you know, the, the, Blackhawks couldn't really have much transparency in this because, um, I mean, because of the situation. I mean, I think it would have violated certain things if they had. They couldn't come out and say exactly what they, what, why they got rid of them, but they, you know, wanted they, they wanted to maintain after everything that has happened in the last year or two. You know, the I use always always use the uh, the phrase being cleaner than Caesar's wife. They really have to be. 
based on what has happened in the past. So that's what happened in the Perry situation. But Edmonton is in a different place right now. They're trying to win a Stanley Cup. They're trying to convince two players to stay around for the long haul in Dreisaitl and McDavid. And if they don't win, there's a possibility one or both of them leave. So they're doing everything they possibly can to win now. Yeah, and, you know, I think the thing with this is they've got to they've got to find the missing piece and it's a like the thing that's holding the back and this is a this is a, a low low risk potentially high reward move and uh, you know kevin kind of hit it on there um you know it, it, it's why not I, I don't like it as you know if you're a division rival you're gonna have to face them i don't like it but there you go it is what it is. It's happened, and now we'll see where it unfolds. Yeah, what, one more point on this, and I've had this discussion with people around. Some people didn't like it, thought that the uh, Chicago should have been more transparent. But the thing that I would bring up, and uh, we all work for companies, um, you know, or we have worked for them through, through the years. And when have you ever seen someone within the company that was fired that they came out and explained exactly what had happened. You never get any of it. No, it's true. You never get any. I mean, because, you know, you can't really do that. So I think uh, in this case, Chicago did what they were told they have to do. And that includes, you know, you don't, uh, you know, you don't explain exactly why the person was fired. You just say it was, you know, for the lack of better phrasing, conduct unbecoming. And you you move it out. But, you know, I've certainly been um, part of an organization that's fired people and, you know, they don't, put a memo out saying exactly what happened. They just say he's no longer with us here, Shane. Um, Another interesting note, um, there was a story written by Luke Fox of Sportsnet regarding Ryan Reeves, Russ. And Ryan Reeves apparently came out in this interview and said, I've been healthy for two weeks and he's on injured reserve. Um, So the reason he hasn't been activated is because he stinks and he can't play anymore. Well, this is, yeah, this is when Ryan Reeves stops becoming a team player and can be divisive because he wants to play. He wants to do his thing. He doesn't want to be, you know, told he can't play. And so now he's going to make the GM look bad by saying he's healthy. Um, How is that good for the team? It's not. It's not. But he doesn't care. Yeah. And, and this, and this is the problem. Um, Kev, um, you know, I'm sure other teams are going to say, well, this guy's healthy. Why is he being stored on injured reserve? Now, they're not, they don't have him on LTIR, so they're not uh, trying to make an end around on the cap. But, you know, and other teams have sort of buried players on IR when, you know, they're sort of working their way back. But this could go one of two ways. He gets activated and then he gets waived, which I think probably is the best course of action because he can't play anymore or they activate him and they send somebody else who's been helpful to the team like a William Loggison or somebody like that and they send them down to the minors but this makes a situation he's sort of pushing his way in and he's just not that good of a player anymore yeah I mean there is no uh as you mentioned no cap game here but it's still against the rules I mean you know you're you're basically um, you know, adding an extra player to your roster uh, because he should be on. Right. You have to make a decision. Right. You know, so, 
um, you know, this should be investigated by the league. You shouldn't be able to do this. I mean, it, it, with his salary and the way it is, I mean, it's not that big a deal. But, you know, it's a violation of the rules. So I mean, if I'm Brad your living, I just I just send him down to the A. Yeah, cut him. Yeah. Yeah. He's got, uh, he's, got, he, he's got two years left in his contract, and which, you know, I know Russ said. And th- th- this is the thing. Russ said it was a joke. I admitted it was a joke. But if they do – wave them and send them to the minors there's no cap implications it's just money out of the pocket of the, of the leaves so and you could buy him out at the end of the year or you could just bury him every year for two more years and if he wants to finish out his career in the american hockey league as a 38 and 39 year old then that's what he's going to do um all right the big news of the weekend i'll go to you first peter on this one is the Hiring of Patrick Waugh as the coach of the New York Islanders, replacing Lane Lambert. Um, I'm not surprised that Lane Lambert got fired because the Islanders have sort of been underachieving. I did not expect Patrick Waugh. And when it was, when we were all talking about it in our group text, uh, I mean, that, like, you know, uh, Anthony said something, well, we got something to talk about on Af- off the post uh, on Saturday, and I didn't know what he was talking about, and then saw the Islanders as Patrick Waugh, and I'm like, holy crap. What did you think of this, Peter? Peter, what did you think of the – Well, I mean, I saw that, and I just – I didn't have Patrick Waugh going to the Islanders on my bingo card. That I mean, out of all the things coming out, that wasn't there. And, I, I mean, hey – if you want to shake something up, I, I don't have a problem with it. It's going to be interesting. And I, I think, um, what was one tweet I saw? We've got Laviolette, Torts, and Wah all in the same division now. Yeah, that's Giddy a little up. wild. Like, that, like, you know, there there is an entertainment aspect to this. It's a results-driven business. Don't, like, coaches are under a lot of pressure. There's a lot of money at stake. There's a lot of ego at stake. There's a lot of things to balance. Um, Wah, he's got nothing to lose. (laughs) And frankly, I think it's great entertainment. I hope it works out because it's a results-driven business. But why not? Like, he may have the shortest run. He may have a shorter run than Boudreaux for all we know. But let's, you know, let's see what happens. Like, this could be really fun. Kev, like I said, I mean, he was the last name I expected. I actually thought, and you know, had the stuff in Columbus not happened, I thought the guy that was going to possibly be the Lane Lambert replacement would have been somebody like Babcock. But obviously, when everything had happened in Columbus, he got hired there, and then everything that came out, you know, he's he's persona non grata. But you know, Wa and Lou does not. It, it, to me, it sounds like fire and gasoline. But what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, I, I think that's fair to uh, characterize it like that. But I, I do think it actually makes sense. And there's a lot to unpack here, from you know my perspective, um, because there's the uh, Red Wings angle. You know, I'm covering the Red Wings now, as everybody knows. And uh, um, you know, from that perspective, you know, the Red Wings. Uh, he was like Darth Vader to the Red Wings during the feud of uh, Patrick Wom speaking about. They thought they got rid of him when he retired, and then he came back. Obviously, it's a coach, and they had to deal with him again in that regard. And it looked like they were um, had to uh, didn't have to deal with him again when he stopped coaching Colorado. But now he's back, and the New York Islanders are two points behind them in the playoffs. And right. um, you know, a lot of people 
don't think this makes sense, but I think it makes perfect sense for this reason. I, I think uh, Lou Lamarillo has always believed that coaches can make a difference. You know, he used to come back behind the bench to get to stir up his team, to bring mm -hmm. a little passion, to get everybody excited, to get them stirred up. And anybody who uh, read the story about Patrick Waugh's first uh, practice session with the team when he was he was very loud in his instructions. He was, um, you know, yelling at, at things and getting everybody all stirred up. And then his, his game was the same thing. A passion was the word that you heard. And it's interesting. After that happened, rarely do you hear players say, you know, we needed to change. You know, they mm -hmm. always say, you know, it's on sure. us. You know, and you did hear that from the Islanders players because I think they saw – I mean, Lane Lambert was low key. You know, he was kind of overwhelmed, don't you think, Kev? I think he got yeah, overwhelmed. That, that, that might be fair, Russ, uh, because it, it it just didn't. He just didn't seem. He couldn't get out of the assistant role mode, right? And uh, so, you know, he just never made it work. But I think Patrick Wall might be exactly what they need to get everybody kind of stirred up and fired up and getting ready to go. And uh, you know, they're still in this race. Uh, you know, they've got some good things going on. They got goaltending, they got defense, um, and you know, kind of see what happens. But I, I think this could be a, a good fit for them. The, the weird thing is, is that, you know, looking what, where the Islanders are this year, I mean, they're supposed to be a very good defensive club and they haven't been. And Sorokin, I think has suffered. He's, he's played well, but they're, they're not, they have not been as strapped down defensively as they have been in the past. And I have a feeling that the reason that was is they were trying to generate more offense. That is what it was. They, they changed a few months ago to, to open things up. Yeah. And, and yeah. And, and Kev, I, 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 you know, since I, I cover the Sabres for the hockey news, I'm well aware of what's going on with them. And it's sort of similar to the Islanders. You have teams that have a certain DNA with the Islanders it's defensive hockey. With the Sabres last year, it was offense. They scored almost 300 goals. And in each instance, their coaches are trying to get them to play against type. The Islanders, more wide open. The Sabres, better defensively. And what has happened? Both of them have suffered because of it because they can't, right, as of right now, they can't walk and chew gum at the same time. And that's yeah. the problem. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, all you got to do is look at the Boston Bruins and realize that tradition um, matters. I mean, the Boston Bruins have been playing the same way for a lot of years, uh, even the Philadelphia Flyers to uh, a lesser extent. But, uh, you know, Flyers hockey is always aggressive and mm -hmm. everything else. And, you know, there is, a, you know, you put it right, it's the DNA. And, um, you know, I think uh, – uh, Lou Amarillo has always demanded of his teams that they play with uh, a passion and uh, uh, persevere and be relentless. And they really just weren't that team. And I think Patrick Waugh will be a, you know, a good fit for them uh, because of that. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I had said there was no question Lane Lambert was on the hot seat for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, but they were sort of still in the playoff race. So Lou kind of let it go. They need their playoff revenue. That's why the Islanders, need to make the playoffs they don't sell out as much as you think and it's an expensive place that they're in and they want their playoff revenue and so yeah i think was very good at lighting a fire under everybody there's no question he is still a defensive coach 
and there are people that will respect him just because he's Patrick Watt. So you can get some mileage out of that. But again, we've seen sometimes when big, you know, names are coaches that it, it goes the other way too. And so we don't know. Um, but they got their first win under them, and right now those two points are important. So who am I to, to, to knock the uh, sign in? Peter, I'm going to ask this question somewhat in jest, but since you're more since you're attuned to the fan bases of both Winnipeg, who will play a certain team in home in a home and home series this week, and Vancouver, who played said Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. Why does the rest of Canada hate the Leafs? Because we it, the Leafs are shoved down everyone's throat on TV all the time on three different networks. That's why. Like half of Canada loves the Leafs. You can't go to a, a building in Canada without a, a whole bunch of rogue Leafs fans showing up. And it's the same with the Canadians. Interesting enough, you go to a place like Winnipeg where there wasn't a team for a long time. I'll tell you who shows up. You'll get a ton of Bruins fans a ton of Leafs fans, a ton of Canadians. You get a fair amount of Oilers. You get the odd Canucks, odd Flames. You know who you get a ton of here? The Dallas. Flyers. Flyers. That's interesting. Just it, not surprising given the history of the team and, and some of the players here, but it's actually insane how yeah, many I Flyers fans come out. Because they've had a lot of Winnipeg guys on their, on their yeah. team over the years. Bobby Clark, what's his name? The Riverton, the Riverton Rifle. Um, you know, but why does everyone hate, hate the Leafs? Because they get, they, like, you know, without being silly about it, there's over coverage of it. And the biggest joke is, okay, you know, um, let's see, pick a news story. Well, how does it has nothing to do with hockey? How does that affect the Leafs? Because that's what we'll be run with on three different channels. Um, you know, Justin Trudeau is voted out of office. How will that affect the Leafs? Like, pick your thing. And it's it becomes sort of, it becomes what we were talking about in the pre-show with what you said about Buffalo and with the Chiefs. Everything that happened with the Chiefs, oh, up to the booth. What's going on with Taylor Swift? What's, what's um, the Kelsey brother doing? All these things. Oh, look at the ads with that. And it just becomes the same way. They're on all the sponsorship. Yep. They're on all things. And it, people get tired with it. Yeah, but, the, but here's, the, here's the thing. And they're not that good. Right. That's, that's my point. People like get sick of the Chiefs because you know they've won two Super Bowls and Mahomes is on every commercial. The Leafs haven't won in 56 years. And I don't see Austin Matthews in commercials being shoved down people's throats. I mean, it is. I have a surprise quiz here because I was looking up, you know, Winnipeg-born players. Who is the number one scoring Winnipeg-born player in NHL history? Butch Goring. No. Butch Goring is not even in the top five. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, like. Uh, Born in Winnipeg, Mike. Thank you, thank you, Ross. Um, Max Domi. Caves is number two. Okay. Max, Max Domi is. No, he was born Max in, Domi's fifteen. Yeah, he was born in Toronto. So, by the way, my buddy Pete Stemkowski is number nine. Okay, give it to us because we can't waste them. Eddie Bathgate. Oh, there. Wow. Yeah. Former Leaf. Because that's what I was saying. The Rangers do have a history having yeah. Winnipeg-born players, but I didn't realize Bathgate would be the top guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, no idea. But Kev, going going back to my point, obviously being in Buffalo. Uh, Sabres fans, I think that a close second 
to winning the Stanley Cup would be eliminating Toronto from the playoffs. There's a visceral hatred of Toronto in Buffalo because Toronto fans invade the building all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched Detroit play Toronto last weekend, and I've never seen Dylan Larkin celebrate more in my life than when he scored the yeah. game-winning goal against yeah, the Well, I mean, obviously, as you as you know, he's got a lot of relatives in Toronto, so yeah. – uh, you know, so that's you know, you know, part of it. But what's interesting about that, uh, and Peter's point is certainly valid about you know, hockey night in Canada and seeing Toronto, but you know, those days really are kind of gone. Like, I mean, right. if you want to watch your team, you got plenty of options to, to watch your you team, do, so, you know, but so. Canada broadcast were rules are very different, Kevin, than, than maybe other areas, and it can actually get quite difficult. It's, but it's all the, like, you're right. You can watch your team and even more so on a Saturday night. It's just that here's the other reason, you know, hate the Leafs. Well, you know, do the Leafs ever have to play a game outside their time zone if it's in Canada? Because everything's just moved to their time zone as well. Yeah, but that's not them. That's CBC. No, I know. But, 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 but it's because they're the Leafs. It is something that fans could look at and say, why is that? And yeah. we understand why do they get an advantage? Well, because one third of the population of the country is in the GTA and they want to cater to them. It's not yeah. the Maple Leafs that do it. it no, it, but it's because of the Maple Leafs being that team. Right. That's what gets the. That's what gets it. Yeah, like, get and, it. and so I mean, where's the home ice advantage? Oh, you got to play it an off hour. I mean, Too bad. All these, so sad. All these things we've been talking about, it's like the Todd Helton argument, are things that are totally out of the team's control like, you know i mean it's but, just ridiculous to dislike players i mean you know it's the same thing well, with I don't, the, like i don't think it's a dislike of the players or it's the team I mean, the you know, it's not I mean, it's not like the team can't help it that they're you know popular with television uh you know producers and and all that i mean like I, on twitter i'm just seeing all these people talking about taylor swift and like who cares yeah, you know, like, i I, yeah, you know, I don't care. I, I, well, and see, and the reason that Mahomes and KSC are on the the TV is because they're so popular. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you know, you just doing what you do. I mean, but that's I don't a know. that's a product of CBS, Cap. That's a product. I mean, nobody yeah. would care about Taylor Swift being in the press box in Buffalo or in any other of the games. But every time Kelsey like adjusts his helmet, they go up to the press box to see what Taylor Who Swift cares? You know, I watched that game and they went up a lot, but each time they went, it was like four seconds. Like it right. didn't disturb my, my interest in the game. Like, and I'd say that's true for most people. Like if you, you want to look thing for Jerry reason, Jones, they showed Jerry yeah. Jones four times a game. Yeah. yeah. You know, like what's the big deal about that? And Jerry you know, Jones is a Jerry Jones has had more facelifts. I never mind. But uh, I do, I do buy into your argument, Mike, that, I think people do like to see new teams yes. uh, involved in big, big games. Like I, you know, I, I do think that, you know, they don't, they, you know, it's time for the chiefs to lose because they'd like to see, you know, their team get in or at least somebody else a little differently. So. Yes. You know, I'm, fair. I'm rooting for the lions, the 49ers and the Ravens. So tell, you can tell who I'm not rooting. You, you, for. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got your bases covered there. Yeah. The team I'm rooting for is the lions. Yes. Um, because I feel like the Lions, you know, as a Jet fan, I feel like I have to root. Plus, I, you know, I did want Aaron Glenn as a coach for the Jets, and the fact that they wouldn't even give him the time of day when he was such a good player for them annoyed me. So I would like to see him get some. Well, you know, I, I have to change my spiel though now, because you know I said for years 
you know, and, and I'm 69 years old, and the Lions had won only one playoff game in my lifetime. One win, playoff win in 69 years. Yeah. Now it's three. <laughs> so, so it's yeah they 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 got double their win total so um, um all right i just want to touch on this for um you know just for craps shits and giggles um you know we're now let's see six weeks away from the trade deadline so you know things are not going to pick up until after the all-star break you know the all-star break you're going to have the gms probably all in toronto and then and agents too and they're gonna to be talking and, and and you know that these teams are gonna wait until the absolute last minute for cap reasons but okay i look at you know start with the western conference because we always start in the east peter winnipeg they're one point up in the central division it's going to be a battle with them in colorado and dallas it sounds like shovel day off is going to be a buyer but it's a question of what he's going to buy um from what I've heard, it seems like they're focusing more on a forward than anything. Uh, like what have you heard, and what do you like? What do you think the perfect fit there would be? Well, we talked a little bit about this last week, and I think nothing's really changed. Um, what what was shown on Saturday against Ottawa is that the Jets need center depth. I don't think it's a question of should he do it. It's a question of you might as well do it because if something else happens, you're in deep doo doo. Um, it's you know so you can take your pick whether it's renting Lindholm. We talked about Adam Henrique. I think there is a case that the people are making arguments, and I think I I trust Russ in this, and I bet you Kevin says the exact same thing that you could go make a pitch to Buffalo for middle stat, but I think that's an off-season decision, not a yeah. not, not a trade deadline one. Something would have to go very strange that way. Right. Um, one name and I would be very curious about, depending where Seattle goes, if you're looking for depth, I'm not saying it's a great move, is Wenberg out of Seattle. Yeah. I think that could be an interesting depth signing that was sort of, not that it, I think it's the best thing that could be done, but it would play into Shovel Day off sort of, playbook it would align with how he does some things um you know i i wouldn't there's some talk about monahan out of uh, montreal yeah, he's, too. he's available i think i've heard the asking price for monahan is a first and a prospect i think that's unreasonable and i think you know the only reason you get into that territory and that prospect better be a, a, a long shot prospect is well, you want you want to beat out someone else. So right now Montreal is going to try and drive a bidding war, and that you know this now it becomes a game of brinksmanship. Who well, went first it, on that? The the reason on the Monahan thing, Kev, is because I believe his salary is one point five million dollars, so they can get all the contenders who are looking for centers like Boston or Colorado in on that, and they can fit that that contract and in fact they can make it a $750,000 deal by retaining 50%. So they they're probably going to end up getting that from somebody because of the salary being so low. Yeah, that that you're right on on that and I think mm -hmm. they are going to be suitors. I mean, I've heard Boston's name mentioned with them pretty prominently um as well and uh, uh I think there are other teams out there and there's so few players available that doesn't cause salary cap consternation that right. you know like you said and that just makes him more valuable and uh but i like that fit from winnipeg don't you russ do you like that fit 
for Winnipeg? Yeah, I do think it's a good fit. I'm also looking, you know, from the uh, perspective of what the Sharks have. And, you know, they, if, if, if you don't want to give up that much, like a Nico Sturm, someone like that, if they're willing to give him up, you get some size, you get at least he could fill in at center. That's not bad. I mean, so I wouldn't I think, mind looking at him either. I think they're looking for something a little more higher impact than than him. But, you know, I mean. Yeah, you got to give up more for that too. So Right. And, and Well, I mean, Peter, I mean, the thing is, this is an opportunity for Winnipeg. I mean, I know that, you know, they're not, you know, they don't have a bunch of expiring contracts now that Hellebuck and, 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 um, and Shifley are signed. But this is sort of a strike while the iron is hot opportunity here where they're really good. They're really good now. And they could win it if they add one player at the deadline and get a fortunate break in terms of who they match up with in the first two rounds of the playoffs. So, I, you know, if, if I was Shevel Day off, I would roll the dice and trade a prospect to get that player that might help them over the top. I think, I think he will. I just don't know what that prospect is. Right. I think he'd rather give up picks. I mean, obviously, McGrody is untouchable. Oh, no, you can't. Listen, yeah. I, I hey. love McGrody. You trade him, and it doesn't matter if you win or not. You're going to be sad in the end. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, that that's that's a kid who even screams Winnipeg Jets in terms yeah. of who he is as a person. So, I mean, all the people out there talking, well, we can get my – you can't. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm rooting for that kid, uh, Peter, because we we bumped into him uh, after the draft in Montreal. You know, I, I shook his hand and I congratulated him, and you know he was a good kid. And I, I'm really, I really hope that he turns out to be good because I mean he played great for the U.S. at the at the World Junior. But I, I, you know, and and I think you know the other part about the deadline right now is we limp into this. You know, as fans and observers, and I'm not talking to anyone other than the the odd person who hasn't heard much right now, particularly with the Jets, we're speculating based on where people sit with positioning in the in the in the standings, right. who's got impending free agents, you know, underperforming players situations. There's a whole host of other conversations that are going on too, feeling out, understanding who's expendable that we're maybe not hearing yet. And I guess, you know, Kevin, you would understand that too from, you know, as we move along, you start hearing some different things about like other names sort of turnover in time, particularly after the all-star break, right? We start really getting a sense yeah. of there could be some other things. And I think that's when we're going to have a clear picture because things will get leaked out for leverage and, and stuff like that. I'll have a clear picture of where some of the teams who are looking to add talent. I, the question I have now is as we, we move into the deadline and you can pick any team and we can talk about the Leafs and the sort of the news that Elliot Friedman brought up about maybe being not being buyers, but do we have the potential for a fairly active deadline this year based on who's in, in, in po probable opportunity to take a run this year? Well, how do you guys feel about that? Cause well, I'm sort of curious Kev, you, about that. You for, Kev, you first on that. Well, I mean, I, I I still think there's a, a salary cap issue. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, that's the that's the biggest problem. But I, I do think um, there are some teams like, you know, for example, the, the Red Wings. Uh, nobody knows what they're going to do. I mean, would they go out and try to get some help? I mean, um, he's he being Steve Eisenman is very hard to project. And, you know, and who would have thought that uh, they would have gone, gone after Patrick Kane? But they did. And uh, 
you know, so he, you know, he might, you know, uh, he might go out and do something. I think it's important to him that they make the playoffs. The team has played well. They found a goalie, uh, changed everything. And, uh, you know, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, I was going to say, if, if they do go after somebody where, I mean, what position do they go after? I mean, I mean, you know, Defense. Well, I mean, uh, if they could find a center yeah. uh, and move JT Comfer, you know, he's playing number two mm-hmm. uh, center. If they, they could move him to third, I mean, he is a, would be an exceptional number three center. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think they would do that. But, you know, one thing that's sort of been lost on everyone is that, you know, the Red Wings are fourth in the league in scoring. Like, mm-hmm. there's no logical explanation for that. None. They don't have anybody in the top. Uh, 39 scores in the league. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're, well, people always kind of talk about that scoring by committee, but that's usually baloney. Uh, mm-hmm. That means usually that's code for we don't have great scoring. Right. right. Um, but in this case, they really are doing that. I mean, they have a chance to, I think, get 11 or 12 players with 40 or more points. I mean, here's that old Daniel Sprong thing again. Mm-hmm. Uh, story on this tomorrow leads the league in points per minute 11 minutes 50 seconds per game 11 goals 30 points yeah it's incredible you know? the yeah, production. It is. he was he was close to that with seattle i think he was fourth liner yeah no he's same thing you know there's a, they've moved now in fairness they they moved him up you know he's he's the guy when there's a hole to fill in the top six Right. They they uh they slot him in there because offensively he's got the shot he's got the skating, and um, uh, he just does a lot of things that coaches don't like, uh, defensively, and that's right. why he ends up you know on the fourth line. He, he he was had a funny line last night where he he said he you know he got in on a breakaway and he said I thought I better shoot because Twitter's been all over me for not shooting enough. <laughs> so nice. first time ever I've heard. Uh, players that uh, talk about the uh, you know fan reaction to the, their game so now uh vancouver um there's a lot of talk on the weekend when toronto was playing them about you know where vancouver is going to go in terms of adding at the deadline they have cap restrictions as well you look at them and obviously petterson is phenomenal jt miller and besser having really good deals and quinn hughes is quinn hughes and demko is you know probably the leading candidate for the vesna a lot of people think it's <clears throat> adding one more. <laughs> He's going to say I know, no. I mean, Hellebuck, yes, but the Demko is in the running, too. Okay. Um, you said leading. Well, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> I, I, sorry about that, Peter. That was subtle. <clears throat> um, but the name that is coming out uh, as a target for them is Jake Gensel. Um, obviously because of Tockett's affiliation with Pittsburgh, he coached Gensel as an assistant coach, um, and he's a UFA. And the question is whether Pittsburgh is really in it at the deadline and whether Kyle Dubas, you know, cause you know that that team, they're really hurting in terms of prospects and draft picks and they got to start to refill the coffers. And it's a question of whether they're going to go down that road, you know, whether they trade Gensel and then try to resign him in the off season. But, I mean, Peter, you see Vancouver more than I do. Do you think Gensel is a fit for them in terms of what they're looking for? I think he wouldn't hurt. I I, I don't, I, I mean, what do the Canucks really need? 
and and that's the thing that I think is teams when they get a lead, teams are not afraid of coming back against the Canucks. Yeah, they were up three nothing against over Toronto after the first period, and it was three three like that. Is is that a is that a is that a personnel roster problem, or is it a culture problem, or is it a coaching problem? No, how do you solve that by bringing in a player like Gensel? I don't think their defense is particularly great defensively. I mm-hmm. mean, right. you've got you've got veterans like like um, Tyler Myers, who you know they're big, and Zadorov, who's big, but they're both sort of limited in terms of their speed and mm-hmm. can can be beaten. I mean, Hughes is great, but he's not particularly great defensively. He's one of these offensive defenseman who I would argue that a little bit. I think he's good, he's, he's good defensively. He's, you're good defensively by getting the puck out of the zone. Thank you. Doesn't quicker. matter, but he's good defensively. Yeah. He's not he's not exactly Rod Langway, but when he has the puck and he's attacking into the offensive zone, you know, he doesn't have to be great defensively. He's got the puck. Yeah. But, but Kev, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh, it's a question right now. You know, I don't conceive of them being a legitimate playoff uh you know if they get in they get in by the skin of their teeth and dubis has to be of the mindset if i have an asset to trade and i can't get them signed and i don't have the cap space then he's got to maximize those assets i mean what do you think of the whole stuff yeah um well first of all what i would say is is i i think vancouver would benefit by a really good defensive defenseman. If you think you yeah. can make even a little bit of noise, you've got to try to do that. The problem is you never can find those guys at the trade deadline. And you, yeah. what you, you can find guys like Jake Gunsel. And, you know, I don't care how much offense you got, Jake Gunsel will make you better because, you know, he's a very skilled goal scorer. And, um, you know, but saying all that, they're going to want a lot, number one. Uh, for them, and uh, there'll be a, lot, a number of uh, suitors, number two. And I don't think they've totally committed to the idea that they're going to have to move them, even though their cap situation is a mess. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to walk in. Uh, probably easier now that Mario is not the principal owner. But um, still, it's not easy to walk into Sidney Crosby and say, Sid, you know, the guy that you really like playing with and you have played so well this year, um, but, but that you know that guy he's going to be gone next year because we can't afford him. That's hard. That's a hard sell. So yeah, and, sell. that's his best friend. And 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 Russ, more than likely, if Dubis is willing to trade Gensel uh, to Vancouver, you know the names he's going to ask for. He's going to ask for Willander. He's going to ask for Lakaramaki. He may not get either one of them. What's that? They have zero shot at getting Lecker. He's going to ask Russ. I mean, if you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Alvin and and Rutherford will do it, but I think he's going to ask. And the thing is, you know, Dubis and Rutherford, they've made deals before when Dubis was in Toronto, so you know, there's a line of communication there, and uh, you know, so I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But Kevin's right. I mean, if they're they're probably going to exhaust every opportunity to try to sign Gensel. And the talk is is that Dubis is going to talk to his agent at the All Star break. But yeah. if they can't make any progress, then and if they're yeah. dropping out of the playoff race, then it's probably going to it's probably going to happen. Um, Peter referenced the Leafs, the report from Elliot Friedman on the, on the weekend regarding uh, Brad for living. I mean, it's I mean it's refreshing to have a general manager who I think has a realistic outlook of where this team is, which they're not winning the Stanley Cup now. 
I mean, the pro the problem is here, Kev, is that sort of like I make the comparison to the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen is in the prime of his career, and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Josh Allen's not the problem. The problem is the team surrounding Josh Allen. Austin Matthews is not the problem. Neither is William Nealander or Mitch Marner or John Tavares. It's the fact that you're paying all paying all this money in a cap system to four guys, and you cannot surround them with good enough team around them to make them to make them be able to win. And I mean, it sounds like right now Tre Living recognizes that there are flaws with this team, that he can't plug all the holes, that he's not willing to trade their the prospects and the draft picks that they have on hand. And he's basically saying, he's not saying I'm going to be a seller, but he's not saying he's not saying I'm going to be a buyer and we're all in. No, you can't be all in because I don't think they're, they can fill all the holes that they need to fill to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's certainly, I mean, I, I don't disagree that it's their depth that, you know, because you like their, their key players. But, you know, Vegas won like that last year. I mean, relatively speaking, they have a bunch of guys that make a lot of money. Uh, and But they had the right collection. So, I mean, you know, you just got to start uh, moving people around and try to get the right blend. I know they've continued to try to do that and it hasn't worked. But, um, you know, I, I don't think they have to, you know, trade one of them guys you know so uh, I, I still don't and the cap's going up and it's going to go continue to go up I just think you got to keep going so you try to find the right mix I just think they, they're going to if they sell the deadline it'll be a low-end asset I don't think they're going to give away any prospects I don't think they're selling anybody of value because I think it's just a bad look for them I think if they throw up the white flag like that it's not going to it's not going to play well well I, okay they really I mean, Samsonov has no value because he no. struggled this year. So, you know, their their UFAs, uh, Domi, probably you know you're not probably not going to do that because no. you at most you're going to get a mid round draft pick. Bertuzzi might get use a return, but he's got a no move clause because he signed a one year deal. He only goes if he wants to go somewhere, and that might and that might mitigate what they can get back. So it's not the question of them being able to sell them being sellers. It's them wasting more assets as buyers when they'd have to add too much and they don't have the cap space anyway. So I, I just think that they're probably going to end up standing pat or at the absolute worst, you know, just adding like a, a you know, a depth defenseman or something like that. Hope they make the playoffs and hope that lightning strikes. But I, you know, I, it, I, I just don't see it. And the thing is, Austin Matthews is on pace to score 70 goals this year, Kev. That's the thing. Yeah. They're wasting prime years of their core group because they cannot structure a team to be good enough around them. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right, but, you know, we're at 32 teams now. You know, it's hard. To, yeah, it's harder. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, yeah, it's just so much harder than it used to be. So you got to, you know, you're fighting now. The first layer is so much more difficult. Right. Getting yeah. into the playoffs and the battle is just so, you know, just yeah. it wasn't all that long ago that it was, you know, you just had to be better than five teams and you're in the playoffs, you know. Right. And now you got to be better than half the league just to make it. Yeah. So, and the other part about the playoffs, Kevin, and I think you're bang on, is why go so hard on expenditures 
for something that has such a variable randomness to it in the events. Like I think there's certain teams that are wising up to this. Like if if I'm let's take out the Leafs here because that's sort of how we enter into this. If I'm the Leafs, you're already feeding some things out that are sort of lowering the expectations. You're mm-hmm. managing things, and I think it's a smart move. And I if I'm if I'm for living, say hey, we've had to do a few things. This is definitely a transition year. We're going to just let these guys go and see what they can do. We know who they are. We've, we've, we've had some turnover. We're going to give Sheldon our support. Go do what you got to do. Adjust on there. But we're not going to give up things that are going to hurt us longer term mm-hmm. for something that may not move the needle or can incrementally move it. I think that's you're, smart. You're I think accountant, Peter, though, like as an example, there's always that feeling. What's the feeling like on a team? What? What is the feeling like at the beginning of the year? What's the feeling oh. like now? So as an example, when I was in the abs locker room recently and, you know, McKinnon had a four point game, he didn't even talk about his four points. He talked about everything else going right on his team and yeah. all these veterans they have. And you know, there's a feeling there where they feel like they could yeah. win the cup because they've already done it. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, they, they know what it's looking like. So, you, you know, part of winning is also learning and, yeah. you know, like, you look at the Jets in 2018. They didn't really do much, and they just went in there and said, "and and said we're going to just let these guys go." Um, the other thing I think is I, I I think you know Canucks are they're the West Coast version of the Leafs, but with a whole boat bunch of different problems in terms of fan base expectations, hunger for a win, yeah. blah blah blah, and. There, there's pressure there because they may not strike lightning again. There's this uncertainty around Pedersen, although I think that's a little overblown. Um, yeah, I don't think they're I think, in danger of losing him. No, I don't think they are. I don't think the ownership will let it happen. Yeah. It's just going to be a lot more complicated now. But there's there's a sense that we've got to make a shot for it because these opportunities don't come around very often. Mm-hmm. So I think th- there's that same level of pressure, but not as big because it's not as big a market. And I think there's that kind of thinking. But, you know, in essence, there's a lot of young guys on the Canucks. Maybe just let them go. Maybe you get that extra defenseman, but you don't blow the blow the bank on it. Right. And you guys, go in there. We believe in you. See what you can do. And, well, and just get talking to keep them loose and, and let, it, let the chips fall where they may. Because you do it right, they're going to have another run at this because they're that deep and, and they're in the right age arc as well. They're the, they're the West Coast version of the Leafs with a better goaltender and with a, with a legitimate number one defenseman, whereas the Leafs have a guy who's a number two and he's a lot older. But that you know that being said, like I've advocated all this year what the Leafs should be doing, find out what you have in Joseph Wall. Find out what you have in young guys like Nye and Robertson and Lilia Grin. Find out what you have because those guys are on cheap contracts and you've got to know whether they're going to be part of your future or not, and then adjust accordingly. You cannot keep bringing in like Mark Giordano is at 40 years old. I mean, unless they take a, a league minimum contract like he did, you know, they cannot keep cobbling together a roster. They have to eventually start to promote from within. They have some decent prospects. They just never have given them the opportunity over the last few years to find out what they are. So, I mean, but and then in the cap system, you have to have cheap contracts, meaning young guys coming up on their entry level deals 
because that enables you to spend money in other places. Yeah, you got to have between seven and nine. Like we never yeah. talk about that, but GMs do all the time. You know, you know, they always, you know, I've had this explained to me. You know, the cap is really fifteen players because you always have between seven and nine guys that are making somewhere in the one point one to seven hundred thousand. Right. So you subtract that off your top. Now you're down to seventy five million. So you got 15 million, 15 guys that are averaging about 5 million. He said, that's the way we look at it. Now, I've never seen anybody write that, but that's essentially, you know, kind of how they view it. But I want to just maybe get the last word on this. Just, I want to add to what Peter was saying, because I really like his thought process. You know, what we should have learned with this increase in discussion of probability it's more so in the NFL, but you're starting to see it's crept into the NHL as well. The probability of things happening. And it's all based on what's happened historically and what the odds are based on your records and all that kind of things like that. But what, you know, after it all shakes out and you, everyone makes their deals, nobody in the league, no team has a probability of winning the cup that exceeds 40%. And 40% would really be high, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that's just the way it goes. You would think that we would have learned by then that just like Peter said, maybe you should just be adding like a little piece to make it better and not like sell your soul. Yeah. That rental player, because, you know, even if things go well, you're probably not going to win the cup. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, Vegas added Barbashev and Barbashev was a key uh, player for their cup, but he wasn't like the star player. I think the other thing is there's a financial component too, because if you can get to the cup, you're making some good money in the playoffs, right? For sure. So. Yeah, for sure. Yep. All right. Great show, guys. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Pete Tessier, for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.